Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'm kind of glad the toilet paper is still hanging here because it kind of reminds us of what we've got going on already this morning. You know, I've talked about this, by the way, happy Pentecost Sunday to you all. I don't know if we say happy Pentecost Sunday back again. I don't know if you've got your Pentecost cards out in the mail yet. I mean, Hallmark is working on something like that, so... Uh, you know, I was thinking, I talk about these special Sundays. We're all in red back here. There's only one other Sunday during the year that we're in red like that, and that's, of course, Reformation Sunday. And so, um, you know, I, I try to announce that we do special things at these services um, to commemorate them and to make sure that we have them implanted in our minds. And when I said um, Pentecost Sunday to Natalie here a second ago, she looked at me like, that's maybe the first time I heard it, but I guarantee she's never going to forget it. <laughs> You gonna forget it now? You're not gonna forget it now. All right, okay. All right. So, um, I want to frame where we are because this is uh, the first Sunday of Pentecost, and now that's with the season that we go into in the church year. But I want to talk about where we've come from throughout the church year and and where we're going to be going and, and why all that means something to us. So, um, you know, the church year starts off in it kicks off in Bethlehem. Now, a young woman um, gave birth to a baby boy, um, named him Jesus, and what a difference that day made. And then fast forward to um, a day on Calvary um, where that man died for our sins. What a day that uh, difference that day made. Then right after that, we celebrate Easter morning when Jesus rose from the dead and literally um, conquered death. And as we said earlier, gave death or put death in the unemployment line. What a difference that day made. Last week... We celebrated Jesus ascending into heaven. We talked about what a difference that day makes in our lives and in, in our purpose. So these days make a huge difference. And here we are in Pentecost Sunday. Again, happy Pentecost Sunday. Um, and actually, maybe we should sing happy birthday because it's kind of this Pentecost Sunday. It's kind of the birth of the church. Um, we look at it in two different ways. We look at it as the beginning of Advent is the beginning of the church year. So maybe we sing happy birthday then. But this is kind of six months later. You know, it's almost our half birthday here at Pentecost. So these kind of book into each other really well. So that's where we are. That's a scene. That's the day of Pentecost. That's where we are. And um, as we start reading the book of Acts, you know, that's bo- uh, Luke's second book. He has a, the Gospel of Luke, and then he rolls right into the book of Acts. And then when we read Acts chapter 1, it's kind of a transition point. And then Acts chapter 2 is kind of the kickoff point, right? Acts chapter 1, the disciples are told told to wait for the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit, here he is. Acts chapter 1, the disciples are, we would say, equipped. But now in chapter 2, they are empowered. Same way I empowered Natalie over here or this, right? The disciples are empowered and they have this incredible power within them. Chapter 1, the disciples are held back. Chapter 2, they're sent forth. Chapter 1, Jesus ascends. Here's the thing. Chapter 1, Jesus ascends into heaven. Chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descends down into his believers. And so now the promises that have been coming out through the Bible, no, not just in chapter 1, but they're coming to fruition here. The disciples now, you know, are back in the upper room, right? And they're, they're scared and they're huddled and they're wondering what's going to happen. And then the day that God appointed, God appointed this day that we're talking about here today, before he formed the universe, before he laid the foundations of anything, he had this stuff planned out, the stuff that played out in Acts chapter 2 in the following verses. We're going to see some mind-blowing facts about what happened that day and how they relate back to what happened in the Old Testament. 
We're going to talk about how God fulfilled his promises. And what I'm doing here, what we do here every Sunday, is we strengthen our relationship with him. And I guarantee the things that you learn today, the things that you understand today, are going to strengthen your relationship with God. Strengthen your belief in him, strengthen your understanding in him, strengthen your faith in who he is, so that we can grow in our relationship with him. So we're going to kick it off this morning. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2. We just had it read for us a moment ago, but I just want to go over it one more time. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I apologize if the toilet paper is blocking your view of the screen. I don't apologize for that. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as fire, and one sat upon each of them. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay. So I'm trusting, I'm guessing, I'm thinking that you've heard this before. If this isn't the first time you've heard about Pentecost Sunday, we read this verse every Sunday on Pentecost Sunday. We read these verses to remind us about what happened that day. So if you're checking out right now, saying, ah, I've been there, done that, heard that, what am I going to do the rest of the day, got to pray tomorrow, got some things that I want to cook out, I want to invite you back in here. I want you to invite you back in here because I know you've heard about the Jewish feast called Pentecost before. And again, most of you walking in the door would have been able to tell me pretty much, more or less, what we just read about. If I said, what happened on that day of Pentecost? But then I would ask you this as a follow-up question. What happened on the first Pentecost? And you might say, isn't that the same thing that just happened that I just told you about in Acts chapter 2? And I've got to tell you, no, it's not. Because it says, when the day had fully come, right? And they were all in one place together. You think that was the beginning, but no, that's not the beginning. Um, I want to just kind of break this down in a couple of different ways. I spent a lot of time on this message, and most of what I've spent on is trying to figure out what we're not going to talk about this morning, because we'd be here for a couple of days, I think, if we really wanted to play out this whole scene. That's how big this is, what we're about to talk about today, and that's why I invite people to come in on days like this, on special events like this, because we don't talk about it enough. So penta, right? That's the Greek prefix for five or for 50, And we use that in our language a lot. We have uh, the picture here, the Pentagon, right? Spent way too much time in my life in that building, but um, Sherman T. Potter and MASH said it's a building with four walls and a spare. That's what the Pentagon. Okay, so the Pentagon, you've seen that before, but have you seen the pentahydrate picture, the molecule here? Commonly known as copper sulfate. We'll talk about that later on. Just kidding. Make things a little bit simpler. Here's pentatonics. Right? All right, there. Oh, we can sink our teeth into that, right? A few musicians up here. Kelly's up there for us. The pentatonic scale has five notes. You get the idea? Okay, so it means 50. 50 what? Right? Well, this is 50 days. Today is 50 days after the other Jewish feast you probably heard of, and that's called Passover. The reason we know about Passover is because we talk about it every year on Monday, Thursday, right? We talk about what the Passover meant, what the Passover was doing. So 50 days after Passover, we have Pentecost. And so now your question should be, okay, what's the Feast of Pentecost celebrating? What's the Feast of Pentecost celebrating? What's the Feast of Pentecost celebrating? I am so glad you asked, both of you. (laughs) We got to go back to Egypt. We got to go back to Moses. We got to go back to when the Israelites left Egypt. Um, And they share that Passover meal 
right? We know about that from Monday, Thursday. God told Moses, get a lamb, roast it, have your staff in your hand, gird your loins, tuck your, your girdle up, and get ready to go, right? And they did. They hightailed it out of Egypt. The Egyptians couldn't wait for them to leave. Remember, they're giving them gifts, gold. You want that ring off my finger? Take it. You want anything? Just take it. Just go, go, go. Fast forward 50 days from that day when the Israelites left Egypt. Fast forward 50 days. Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments from God on those stone tablets. And so this is the, actually the Shabbat is what we call it in Hebrew, say it in Hebrew. But it's celebrating, the day of Pentecost is celebrating the day that God gave us the Ten Commandments. And like I've told you before, God doesn't put, you know, this information in the Bible just to fill up space or to impress us with a thick book. And sometimes we miss some of this just because we don't have that historical background. We talk about that all the time, you know, is when we're writing things, you know, we leave things out and that we, you know, that 4,000 years from now people wouldn't understand very well either, right? So, so God, okay, so we talk about that. We talk about some details that are going out. Um, real quick, there are seven feasts for the Jewish nation. Right, that the Bible, and they all point to the Messiah. Right? Sometimes those feasts are referred to as rehearsal dinners for the big event. Those feasts are known as rehearsal dinners for the big event. And so as we read this story, we discover some amazing truths about God's ultimate plan. And again, these, when we read these things and we start to understand them, when they start to fall into place like these giant pieces of puzzle that all of a sudden click together and all of a sudden start making sense, what it does is it, starts us, it's, it helps us to trust God for who he is. Because he's doing the things or has done the things he said he was going to do. And so that we can trust him to do the things he says he's going to do in the future. So Moses is up on the mountain, right? Talk about God's ultimate plan. And, and Moses leaves his brother Aaron in charge down there. So he goes up there. All the people start to get a little crazy and start to get a, a little impatient waiting for Moses to come back. And they said, you know, what if Moses doesn't come back? We should, we should make a God that we, can, that we can worship just in case Moses doesn't come back. And Aaron says, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. So they get this fire and they take all this gold that they've been um, bringing, that they plundered out of Egypt, basically. And they melt it down in, in, in Aaron fashions this golden calf, right? And we could talk for two days about that golden calf, but we won't. Moses comes down from the mountain. One of the commandments on the, on, on the tablet is, you know, don't worship idols. And here we have an idol made, right? So Moses calls Aaron over and he says, what are you doing? And Aaron says, oh, dude, you're not going to believe what happened. We had this fire and we just put some gold in and all of a sudden this calf just fell out of the fire. And Moses was like, oh, my goodness. We were just singing. I think that's where the phrase holy cow started, by the way. Thank you. I'll be in town all week. I don't know. Exodus 32, 28, though, it gives us some details about this moment that are going to play out. So we're talking about the, the parallel between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So I'm, I'm taking this out of context a little bit, but not really. I just I should give you more background. So don't let this get you wrapped around the axle. People from that tribe of Levi obeyed Moses, right? That day, the day that that calf came out of the fire, Moses came down, that day about 3,000 people died. Because of what had happened, because of, what, because of their actions, because of the things that had happened there. So you saw that, right? The law was given, we lost 3,000 people. But if you fast forward to the day of Pentecost that we're more familiar with, Peter lays down the gospel message, right? He lays down the gospel message. Things start shaking, earth starts quaking, right? And, and then we see these results, right? What are the results in Acts 2.41? Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. And about what? 3,000 were added that number that day. 
The day the law went into effect, right, on the stone tablets, to the hearts of those believers, 3,000 died, but then when the Holy Spirit comes down, 3,000 are saved. And that's the difference with us. Those are the things that bring us forward. God promises in Ezekiel that he's going to take that heart of stone, right? He's going to take that heart of stone, he's going to make it a heart of flesh. He's going to make it a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone, I will give you a heart of flesh, a living heart, a living heart of flesh. So no longer do we have these stone hearts that are turning from God. We have these hearts of flesh, these hearts that are living and beating for God. So now, as we read through the Bible, right, um, like I said, some of the things, I know it's a very thick book, even this small print book, it's a very thick book, and there's a lot to, to take in, a lot to read. But believe it or not, there's a lot left out that we need to know, that we need to understand. And the Jewish people understood that, even way back in the day. And so they kind of wrote a couple of books to fill in the blanks a little bit. Um, there's three of them that I like to use. One is called the Midrash, one's called the Talmud, and one's called the Mishnah. So those are three books that you can look at, and it's almost like we would call a commentary. It's almost like a commentary, except it's way more than that. It's almost a handbook, almost like, more like a supplement to some of the things that we read um, in the Bible. So in the Midrash, um, and I'm, the rabbi's name is out of my head for a second here. I'll get it back later. But he talks about what really happened, some of the other details that happened on that first Pentecost when Moses is on the mountain and God was speaking to Moses about the Ten Commandments and writing them on that stone tablet. So on that first Pentecost, signs and wonders accompanied the giving of the Torah, as we would call it, on Mount Sinai. There was smoke, there was fire, there was a cloud on the mountain. The mountain trembled, and the people heard the voice of God. They heard the voice of God, and the people that were there, the way we read it in the Mishnah, Talmud, and the, Mishnah, or the Midrash, all talk about it sounding the same. They said it, it was like the blast of a shofar. The blast of the shofar. And we as Americans, you know, sometimes our Bible says trumpet. Throw that one out and line it out and put shofar over the top of it. Because the shofar represents the voice of God. And it sounds something like this. So the mountain trembled and was shaken, and the people down were hearing this as the voice of God, audibly heard by the entire nation, according to the Midrash, giving the Torah at the Mount Sinai, was accompanied by two additional wonders. Now, we don't read this in Exodus, but we do read it in these other supplemental books, these handbooks that go along, more than a commentary. They're details that weren't given. We just don't have places or no space for all of this. Additional wonders, two of which are significant in our reading of um, Acts in chapter 2. The Midrash speaks of flames of fire. Flames of fire which came to each individual at Sinai. 
flames of fire that came to each individual at Sinai. And it says that this, I've got to quote it here. On the occasion of the giving of the Torah, the children of Israel not only heard the Lord's voice in the blast of a shofar, but actually saw the sound waves as they emerged from the Lord's mouth. So they heard it and they saw it. They visualized them as a fiery substance. Each commandment that left the Lord's mouth traveled around the entire camp and then came back to every Jew individually. You picking this up? So this is standing at the base of the foot of Mount Sinai, right? This is Moses up there receiving the Ten Commandments. This is, this is Pentecost. This is 50 days after, after uh, the, the first celebration. 50, so these things that we're reading about later on are happening right here, right now. Each commandment left, that left the Lord's mouth traveled around the entire camp, came back to every Jew individually, right? In the form, they visualized them as a fiery substance. The second miracle the Midrash uh, preserves in the voice of God speaking, like I said, speaking in every known language to man. At, at the Mount Sinai, they all heard God's voice and they all heard it in their own language. All the people witnessed the thunderings, Exodus 25 says. No, it's thunderings, right? A different rabbi, I think it's Johann, said that God's voice, as it was uttered, split up into 70 voices. I'm, I'm quoting here. God's voice, as it was uttered, split up into 70 voices in 70 languages so that all nations should understand. Now, just I want to make sure you're with me. I'm not taking any shortcuts here this morning. So what we're witnessing, what we're talking about, happened 50 days after Passover, right? After the Israelites left Egypt. And this day that we're talking about here, this Pentecost that we're talking about here, is the day the commandments were given, the Torah was given. So when we're saying everyone heard the voice of God like the shofar, right, and they heard it in their own language, what exactly are we talking about, right? Because when we think when the Israelites left Egypt, wasn't it the Israelites that left Egypt? Yes, it was, but there were other people in Egypt that wanted to hightail it out of there with the Israelites. The Egyptians at that time were the most powerful nation on earth, and they were capturing other people and probably enslaving them the same way the Israelites were enslaved. So there were other people that wanted to get out of there as bad as the Israelites did. And the Egyptians didn't care. The Egyptians didn't care. They, all they wanted was you guys get out. Take whatever you want. Take people, take gold, take everything. Just go. Just get out. And some of these verses, when we're reading them, kind of go past us, right? Because we're looking for the highlights. We're looking for the things that we know rather than looking at the things that we're not so sure about. Let me pay a little more attention to that. For example, Exodus 12, 38 tells us that other people were there. A rabble, I love that word, that's why I picked the NLT. A rabble of non-Israelites went with them, with, went with the Israelites, along with great flocks and herds of livestock. So there are a lot of different people from different nations here at the foot of Mount Sinai. We don't really always put those two together. But the Midrash tells us that everybody there was hearing it in the same language. You're starting to hear this, right? You're starting to put these things together. I'm not going to have to connect all these dots for you, right? I'm going to anyway. But So they left Egypt. A lot of people went too. So these, these understandings, these people understood all these historical events, these historical memories, these historical moments that Mount Sinai, the people at Mount Sinai experienced. And what's important to remember is that the disciples and the followers of Yeshua were all well aware of all this. 
of the Shabbat. Shabbat is Pentecost in the Old Testament. So they were all aware of what we celebrate during the Shabbat. Just like we get together and we talk about the disciples in Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost Sunday, they got together and they talked about the things that happened at the foot of Mount Sinai on the Shabbat, on the same day that we're celebrating, 50 days after Passover. So what they're understanding, what they're reading, what they're learning, what they're hearing about is the same thing that we're talking about, just kind of separate a little bit. So now, again, like I said, 3D Bible, we're living this thing, we're walking around in it, we're sitting in it, right? So get into that for a second. Get into that moment. So we're sitting here in the temple, right? The disciples are somewhere else right now, but we're sitting here in the temple and we're celebrating the Shabbat, right? We're celebrating the Shabbat, the, the Pentecost that happened at Mount Sinai, the giving of the Torah. They knew the story, right? Like, just like you know the story. Tongues, different languages, rushing wind. I got all that. And they're like, oh, I got all that, right? So some, some things are going on here. They knew the words of the, the fire resting on each individual at that original Shabbat. They knew the story of God's voice speaking to all mankind in every language at the Shabbat. Sounded like the shofar at the Shabbat. Therefore, the miracles and signs and wonders um, that they experienced in chapter 2 carried a deep, significant uh, purpose, prophetic fulfillment of what was going on. Tongues of fire and speaking in every language in both directions, right? All allusions back to that Mount Sinai experience and receiving the Torah. God was underscoring a connection between the Rosh and, and his holy Torah. Because of all that, if all, again, all that sounds familiar to you, you know, even if you were hearing it for the first time, they're all understanding this. Once again, we have something in the Old Testament that's setting up what's going to happen in the New Testament, what did happen in the New Testament. So the people are sitting in the temple, right? I'm going to tell you why we know that in a second. People are sitting in the temple, and they're hearing all about the Shabbat, right? And all of a sudden, they hear this rushing wind, this rushing noise, this uproar, this, this racket, as my mom used to say. You know, stop all that racket, right? So the people come piling out of the temple. They hear the, they hear the horn. They hear the shofar. They hear all this. They hear the voice of God. They come piling out of the temple, right? How do we know it's in the temple? It's 9 o'clock in the morning. They hear all the disciples speaking, and they're all hearing it in their own language, and they understood. Now, all this is happening that day, this day, because while these people, again, were in the temple, they were hearing all those things that we just talked about, right? The Shabbat, the tongues of fire, languages, rushing wind, all of that. And now, it's happening right in front of their eyes. They're witnessing it. Tongues, languages, sounds. We know it's 9 o'clock in the morning because when these people come pouring out of the temple and see what's going on and see these disciples, they accuse them of being drunk. Now, I'm no medical doctor and I'm not a chemist, but is speaking a foreign language a sign of being drunk? That's supposed to be funny. You guys are really into this. I'm glad. Imagine the cop pulls you over and says, sir, you've been drinking. If you answer in French, he's like, get out, right? We know it's 9 o'clock in the morning, though. From Acts chapter 2, verse 15, these people are not as drunk as you suppose, right? It's only 9 in the morning. Peter gives us a key to understanding what's going on here and helping us get in that moment helping us be one of the people that piles out of the temple to see what's going on out here and then witnessing the very things we were just talking about, the things our ancestors witnessed back there at the foot of Mount Sinai 
is happening right here. And they ask some crazy questions. They, uh, we've got to rationalize this somehow. They've got to be drunk or something. Aren't these guys all from Galilee? Galilean spoke with a very rough language. They're not educated. How can they speak all these languages? How is this even happening? But they heard the wind. They saw the fire. They knew the story, right? It's Pentecost, and they made the connection. See, here's the thing with making that connection. God doesn't want us to study some law just, just to know it. He doesn't want us to study some story just to know it. Yeah, the disciples, it was cool, the rushing wind and the Holy Spirit and those tongues of fire. And he doesn't want us to know that. He wants us to make some connections because of who he is and what he's promised and what he's not only promised, the promises he's fulfilled, but the promises he has for us in the, in the future. He wants you to hear it with your heart of flesh, not your heart of stone your heart of flesh and accept it so that we can live it out. So we read about these believers back then receiving the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit is available to us today to make us more effective witnesses for Christ, to help our relationship with God grow stronger. And the reason we talk about these things on days like this is because the better we understand his work at Pentecost, the better we'll be able to relate to him and experience his power that lives in us. Did you catch that from what I read back here from John? The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him, right? And doesn't recognize him. But look at this. Now, we're talking about the advocate. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, but you know him because he lives with you now. Because he lives with you now. And later he will be in you. Jesus says, yes, I'm standing to his disciples. He said, yes, I'm standing in front of you now, but very soon I'm going to be in every one of my believers. We call it the Holy Spirit, but it's Jesus standing in us. That's power. You think a leaf blower's got power. This is real power. The ministry of the Spirit is to glorify Christ, glorify God in our life, in our witness of our, of our beliefs. And that's the most important thing. So yeah, we can say happy birthday to the church. Love it. Don't forget to get your Pentecost cards mailed out this afternoon, right? But remember the power that's come into your lives as children of God and followers of Christ. I asked Natalie to do this impossible task. And that's what life is like, an impossible task. But God says, don't worry, man, I got this for you. I am living in you, and that's the power that we get to tap on. Natalie says, is it this simple? All i got to do is flip this switch? Yeah, it's that simple. Just flip that switch, and the power of the Holy Spirit is in us. Remember, the power has come into your lives as children of God, as followers of Christ. So let's, would you please stand with me? And let's continue to worship as we confess what we believe